discover the inherent power of God in you. Whether there are challenges or not, we are still the same. We are constant. God is constant. God does not change. And that is the life that we have received. It says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That is the same life we have also received. We are also the same yesterday, today, and forever. What kind of life? We, we, we are the same because we have the same life with Christ. So when you think about God, think about you. Because everything he is, that is why he told Abraham, he said, I am your, your exceeding great reward. God gave himself as a reward to Abraham. And we are the seed of Abraham. Therefore, we have inherited God himself. Listen to Pastor Oti Boateng as Christ is magnified in you. Father, thank you for this evening. Thank you for the power of your word. Thank you that your word proceeds with grace, with great understanding, with great wisdom. Thank you for impartation of grace to everyone hearing in the name of the Lord Jesus. Thank you for the spirit of understanding that is working. Thank you that your word proceeds with power, with grace, with great understanding for everyone. We receive your word with meekness, with gladness. Thank you for the ministry of your spirit and the ministry of your word that are present, so present at this time, even in Jesus' name. Amen. Wow, it's good to be with you once again, like I said earlier. I want to welcome you to our service tonight. I'm sure you are comfortable wherever you are, and you are ready. I don't know if you brought your notebook and your pen. These things are very important. It's very important you write all these things down to help you. You know, you, when you go to school, you, you are made to write things. You are given books, and you buy pens and textbooks and all of that so that you can study. You know, and get to know what it is that they are teaching you. The, the house of God is like a school. The church is like a school for training God's children in righteousness. It's called instruction in righteousness. So you are instructed in the righteous life, the righteousness of God that we have become, you know, as you come to the house of God. So that you know how to live the way God has designed for you to live and produce the results that God has designed for you to produce. And it all comes by study. So children of God who are not interested in studying or interested in learning, don't do well because of, uh, uh, of, the, of the nature of God's word and God's kingdom, how it works. You need to study to be able to know what you are doing. If you are a child of God who depends on um, what happens per day or whatever, whatever will be, will be, then there will be a problem. You see, so you should, you have to know what God says and understand what God says so that you can produce the results that God wants you to produce. The kingdom of God is, 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 is powerful, is wonderful, but it works with principles. And you need to understand those principles. If you understand those principles, you will make your way forward. You will always keep going higher and higher. You always keep surging forward to the glory of God. And that's the desire of God for you. This I wish above all things that you prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. That's his desire for you. Hallelujah. So I've been sharing concerning um, supernatural accomplishments through our union with Christ. Okay? It's our year of supernatural accomplishments. And I've been sharing with you on, um, on the aspect of our union with Christ. How to depend on our union with Christ for success, for advancement, for supernatural accomplishments. And I've been sharing with you concerning how that we are one with Christ. Jesus made us know that we are one with him. He says, at that day you shall know that you are one with me. It's amazing. Let's look at John chapter 14, verse 20. It's nice. John 14, 20. He says, at that day you shall know that I am in my Father, and ye in me, and I in you. You shall know that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I in you. Let you know how one we have become. The Bible says, as he is, so are we now in this world. And I've showed you how that we are one with him. He uses different um, things to explain our union with him. To let you know that when someone touches you, he has touched him. To let you know that when you act, you are acting as him in this world. Let me show you another, another scripture. First Corinthians chapter 8. Let me read from... Um, from verse 5, 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 5. It says, For though there be that are called gods, whether in heaven or in earth, 
as there be gods many and lords many but to us there is but one god the father of whom are all things and we in him and one lord jesus christ by whom are all things and we by him I don't know if you're seeing it it says but to us there is but one god the father of whom are all things everything comes out of the father then he says and we are in him that is the father we are in the father then he says and one lord jesus christ by whom are all things and we by him meaning that he won't he he let, he's letting us know that we live in him and we have to continue by christ by jesus he wants us to live our lives by jesus that is why i mentioned the scripture to you in first john first john chapter um chapter four verse nine first john four nine he says in this was manifested the love of god toward us because that god sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him he wants us to live through his only begotten son jesus christ because we are one with him he wants us to continue our lives through him and by him hallelujah so brothers and sisters we are not ordinary say i'm not ordinary i'm one with christ as he is so am i in this world hallelujah so we are one with him isn't it in his death and i started showing you on sunday concerning how that we are one with him in his death burial and resurrection i picked the first one which is his death tonight i want to share some more with you along that line and conclude on that part on sunday i'll continue with respect to his resurrection and his ascension and his seating so i'll do that on sunday and then on on wednesday i don't think you want to miss it but tonight i want to show you concerning concluding the concluding part of our oneness with him with respect to his death I showed you how that we Christ identified himself with humanity with us and I showed you how identification is done the law of identification you know how identification is through laying on of hands if you miss service on Sunday you need to get the tape and listen to it he laid through the laying on of hands when John the Baptist baptized Jesus Christ John the Baptist as priest was laying hands on Christ on Jesus so when he saw Jesus coming you know, after the baptism in John chapter 1 verse 29, he said, Behold, the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. Jesus represented two things. He represented the, the Lamb that takes away the sin of the world, which is a scapegoat. I mentioned that on Sunday. And then he also represented the innocent Lamb that, whose blood is poured on the mercy seat for the remission of the sins of, um, of Israel and hence of humanity. Now, because of Jesus, is a remission, is remission of sin, not just atonement of sin. In the Old Testament, this was atonement. Atonement was done for uh, them once every year. Their sins were covered once every year. But then in our case, our sins are wiped away completely because of the blood of Christ. Okay? So in John chapter 1 verse 29, it says, The next day John said, Jesus coming unto him and said, Behold, the Lord of God which taketh away the sin of the world. So this was him as the, skip, as the scapegoat that takes away the sin, of, the sin of the world, outside of the world. Hallelujah. Then if you go down to verse 34, John also mentioned Jesus. He says, and I saw in Bericot that this is the Son of God. Go up. Go to verse 32 into 33. And John Bericot saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and it abode upon him. Verse 33. And I knew him not, but he that sent me to baptize with water. Okay, jump to verse 36 so that we don't read too much. He says, and looking upon Jesus. Let's read 35 into 36. 35 into 36. Again, the next day after John stood and two of his disciples, next verse, and looking upon Jesus as he walked, he said, Behold, the Lamb of God. You see, behold, the Lamb of God. He didn't, this time he didn't say the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. He said the Lamb of God. And the Lamb of God was a, was a Lamb that was brought into the Holy of Holies. The blood was brought into the Holy of Holies for the purpose of, you know, making propitiation or asking for the covering of the sins of Israel. Hallelujah. And Jesus took away the sin of the world. So most people in the church, sometimes you, you see churches around that, and church members, Christians who are rejecting sinners and saying all kinds of things about sinners. When they have, a, they have the answer, they have the answer to their problem. The church is not supposed to, to suck sinners the church is not for good people the church is for perfecting people the church is 
is a place where sin is dealt with, taken away from you because of the blood of Christ, the preaching of the blood of Christ, and the preaching of Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, as the, as the one who bore the sins of the world. So we are not supposed to sack sinners. We are not supposed to, uh, if someone does something wrong, hey, you've done something, so it's finished. No, there's nothing like that. We have the, the answers. The answer is in Christ. The answer is in Jesus. His blood is more powerful and more efficacious than anything you can think about. There is no sin too great. You know, there's this debate about LBGTQI, so many things. You know, and whether uh, you have so many things happening. People are seeing all kinds of things. They, everybody needs the blood of Jesus Christ. Their sin is not higher than anybody's sin. Their sin are as high as the one who stole uh, chicken from a hen coop somewhere. It's the same. There's no greater sin than lower sin. They are all the same. All sin is sin. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And there's only one cure for sin. His name is Jesus Christ. So Jesus is a sacrifice for sin. Okay? He's a sacrifice for sin. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Let's read verse 3. 1 Corinthians 15, 3. He says, For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which also I... That which also I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. Christ died for our sin. He died for sin. He didn't die for something else. He died for sin. He died as the cure, the one who takes away sin. So whatever sin anybody has, has his cure in Christ. I don't know if you are seeing it. So never suck sinners. Never condemn people. Give them the cure. The cure is Jesus Christ. Okay, now Jesus, after identifying with us, could now take our place. So Jesus took the place of all sinners and took the punishment for sin. If you read your Bible, you see that the Bible says that the soul that sinneth, okay, must die. Everyone who sins must die. In the New, that was in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, he says it differently. He says that for the wages of sin is death. That's Romans um, six twenty three. For for the wages of sin is death. The payment, the penalty for sin is death. Now, everyone needed to die. Now, we are not talking about dying physically. There are three kinds of deaths. There's physical death. Okay, first of all, there's spiritual death. And then there's physical death. And then there's eternal death. You can't die physically unless you die spiritually. For instance, when Adam sinned, God told him that before Adam sinned, God told him that if you partake of this fruit the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall surely die. Other version says, in dying you shall die. But when Adam took, partook of the seed, when he ate the fruit, he didn't die that day. He never died. Was God lying? No, God was not lying. He died, but he didn't die physically. He died spiritually. Spiritual death is separation from God. God is life. And when you, are, when you are taken away from God, you experience death. But you experience spiritual death first. So Adam experienced spiritual death. It took more than 900 years for Adam to die physically. Amazing. You see, you cannot die physically unless you are dead. You die spiritually. So Jesus came to deal with spiritual death, which was separation from God. Physical death, which is separation from this life. And eternal death, which is eternal separation from God. That is the third level. So spiritual death, physical death, and eternal death. And Jesus' death handles all three kinds of deaths. If you read in um, 2 Timothy chapter 1, let me show it to you. Verse 9. Let me, let me read from verse 8 so it makes more sense. It says, Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me his prisoner, but be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God. Who has saved us? It says, God who has saved us and called us with an holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before the world began. Verse 10. But is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who has abolished death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. He says, Jesus, our Savior, Jesus Christ, has abolished death. Can you imagine? He has, do, you, do you understand abolishing? There are laws that were abolished in this country. You know, it means that they are no more effective. He has abolished death. And he was talking about physical death, spiritual death, and eternal death. Then he says, and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. He has brought immortality. He has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. 
So through the gospel, through the word of God, you can, you can experience life upon life. There's no need for you to die even physically. Amazing. Because as soon as you become, you become born again, spiritual death is taken away. You are taken away from spiritual death and life, spiritual life is given to you. You receive something called eternal life. And eternal life is what secures your life from dying. Do you see? He takes you out of spiritual death, brings you into spiritual life, and takes you out of physical death, and hence eternal death. If someone dies physically without receiving life, do you see? If someone dies physically, whilst dead spiritually, the person dies eternally. That is why we, we, we persuade men to give their lives to Christ. That's why we persuade men to agree with what God did in Christ Jesus for them. So that they can be born again. And so that they can receive the life of God. So that even if they should die physically, it's not compulsory to die physically now. But even if you should die physically as a child of God, you have eternal life. You will not die eternally. You will be with the Lord eternally. Hallelujah. And all these things are accomplished in Jesus Christ. Can you imagine? He has abolished death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Wow. What a blessing. And all this is free of charge. You don't need to pay anything for it. It's all because of his blood. It's all because of Jesus' blood. So Jesus took our place. He was identified with humanity and then took the place of humanity. He took the punishment. Remember, the wages of sin is death. So Jesus died. Jesus was not, he was not a sinner. Jesus, I explained it to you on Sunday. He did not have the seed of sin in him. Do you see? He was not born of Adam. He was born of God. Anyone who was born of Adam had sin in him because of what Adam did. And so nobody, their death could not save anybody. They were not innocent. They had done something wrong. Everybody has done something wrong by virtue of what Adam did. But Christ came as a seed of God. He's called the seed of the woman. No woman can just give birth just like that. It was a seed of God. God gave the woman a seed. If you read in Matthew chapter 1 verse 18, you see it. He says, now the birth of Jesus was on this wise. When he was, this went as his mother was a spouse to Joseph. Before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. So the Holy Ghost was responsible for the, for the pregnancy. He gave the seed for the pregnancy. And therefore the child that was born was a child of the Holy Ghost. He was not a child of any, he was a child of God. So John the Baptist said, I bear witness that he is the son of God. If you remember, we read it. Um, John, John chapter 1, we read verse 36. Now let's look at um, 37. No, let's read 29 rather. 29, right? Go to 29. The next day, John seeth Jesus coming unto him and said, Behold, the Lord of God, which taketh away the son of the world. Verse 30. This is he of whom I said, after, he cometh, um, after me cometh a man which is preferred before me, for he was before me. And I knew him not. Go on, go to the next verse. I want you to show us where he says, and I bear record. Okay, that's verse 32. And John bear record, saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and it abode upon him. Verse 33. And I knew him not, but he that sent me to baptize with water, the same said unto me, Upon whom thou shalt see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, the same is he which baptized with the Holy Ghost. Verse 34. And I saw and bear record that this is the Son of God. So John bear record. He bore witness that Jesus Christ was the Son of God. The Jews respected John, John the Baptist a lot. You know, and John the Baptist said that Jesus was the Son of God. Yeah, because Jesus is the Son of God. Because he was conceived by God. So he didn't have the sin of humanity. So he could be a replacement for man. He could bear the penalty for man. So 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21 said, He was made sin. He made him to be sin. Who knew no sin? He made Jesus Christ to be sin. Who knew no sin? He made him the very epitome, the very definition of sin. Jesus took the sin of humanity and hence could die, could Take away the sin of humanity. He was the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. And the Lamb of God, the innocent Lamb of God, whose blood is pure enough to save every other person. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So Jesus could take our place. He became our substitute. So there's another principle in the word of God called the principle of substitution. Jesus was identified with us and hence could be substituted for us. Okay? He could be substituted for us. So he took our place. Now, if you read, there are so many portions of the scriptures that mentions this particular fact. I've showed you one in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 3. But let me show you this one in Galatians 3. Uh, Galatians 1, verse 3 to verse 5. 
look at it. Galatians 1, 3 to 5. I have so many things to share with you, amazingly. Normally, when I start sharing, I'll divert and divert and divert, and I'll not be able to share all that I want to share with you. But I know it's for your good. I know it's helping you. It says, Grace be to you and peace from God the Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 4. Who gave himself for our sins? Have you seen it? He gave himself for our sins so that he might deliver us from this present evil world according to the will of God and our Father. This was the will of God, that he should be the one who who be the sacrifice for sin. He says he gave himself for our sins. He gave himself for our sins. Now look at Hebrews chapter 9, verse 24, all the way to 28. Hebrews 9, 24, all the way to 28. So Jesus became our substitute. He took our place. And his death was the death of all of humanity. So if, Jesus, if you believe that Jesus died, okay, then you should know that you are dead to sin. If Jesus died, then we are dead to sin. Look at this. Hebrews, I wish you were close. I would have told you to read it to me. But let's read it together. One to go. For Christ is not entered into the holy places made with hands, which are the figures of the true, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us. Nor yet that he should offer himself often as a high priest entereth into the holy place every year with blood of others. For then must he often have suffered since the foundation of the world. But now, once in the end of the world, has he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And as is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment, so Christ was, was once offered to bear the sins of many. And unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. He, 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 he offered to bear the sins of many once. He died, and he, because he died, sin was taken away. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If you read in Romans chapter 4, verse 25, it says that Christ was delivered on account of our offenses. He was given, he was killed because of our offenses. Let's look at it. Ephesians 4, 24. Let's read the Amplified. He was talking about Jesus. Then he says, who was betrayed and put to death because of our misdeeds? Have you seen it? He was put to death because of our misdeeds. That's what I want you to see. Yeah, because of our wrongs. That is why if you feel you are wrong, then Jesus died for you. And if you, you, you are born again and you feel that someone is wrong, remember that Jesus died for that person. There's no need for you going around talking and seeing all kinds of... That is not the responsibility of the church. That is not our responsibility. Our responsibility is to let them know what has been done for them and bring them in to what God has done. That is our responsibility. Not to condemn, not to point fingers and say that you, you are homosexual. Because you are homosexual, you go to the nether parts of hell. What are you talking about? If you know he's a homosexual, if you know she's a lesbian, if you know she's transgender, whatever, bring that person close to Jesus Christ. That is the one who needs Jesus. But God commends his love towards us. This is God's demonstration. This is the demonstration of God's love. It says God demonstrates his love towards us. In that while we were yet sinners, Romans chapter 5, verse 8, while we were yet sinners, not while we were good, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So Jesus is the cure for sin. He's a cure for sinners. Never be a Christian who points fingers at people and insults people because they, are, they did something wrong or because they, they, are, they are sinners. No, you have the cure. It's the devil who is making you say things you're not supposed to say. So that you, cannot, you don't fulfill your purpose in this world. Your purpose is to bring them, to show them that Jesus did it. There's no need for you to go to hell. Jesus did it for you. All you need to do is to receive him. And if you receive him, that's it. If you believe in him, that's it. You are safe. Hallelujah. Look at Isaiah chapter 53. Let's read from verse 1. It's a very nice um, portion of the Bible. It shows us the sufferings of Christ and what it, represent, what it represents for us. Okay? What Christ went through. The various things Jesus went through. And what it means for us. How that because of his death, we are now safe. And all humanity does is to believe and accept what he did. Believe that he did die for, for your sin. And believe that he was raised from the dead on account of your justification. Or of you being declared righteous. Hallelujah. I'm so glad I'm identified with him. I'm so glad. Let me share something with you before I, before I mention this. You know, 
Jesus is referred to as the Passover lamb. If you read in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, um, verse 7, 1 Corinthians 5, 7, then I'll come back to Isaiah, okay? Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7. It says, Purge out therefore the old leaven, that ye may be a new lamb, as ye are unleavened. For even Christ our Passover is sacrificed for us. Even Christ our Passover is sacrificed for us. So Jesus is our Passover. Now, what is the Passover? If you read in Exodus chapter 12, you will see concerning the Passover. You can read from verse 1 all the way to verse 20. You will see everything about the Passover. Now, God said he was going to, because Pharaoh was not allowing God's children to get out of Egypt, God said he was going to, an angel was going to come through town and he was going to take away everything's firstborn. The firstborn of all. So the firstborn of every human being around, the firstborn of every, every animal, any animal who was firstborn, any human being who was firstborn was going to die. That's what God said. Just to teach Egypt a lesson for them to release um, Israel. Now, for Israel to be safe, because Israel was in Egypt, for Israel to be safe and not have that judgment come upon them, God told them that every family should get a lamb, an innocent lamb that was born within a, within a, a year. A lamb that is not above one year. If the lamb is above one year, he's not qualified. An innocent young lamb. That's why Jesus died at age 33, very young. Because he's a Passover. And he told them that, kill that um, animal and put his blood on the doorpost. One on top, one on the side, another one on the side of your door. So everybody should go inside, dress and roast that lamb. Use the blood to do that, to mark your, your doorpost. You know, it forms a cross, one on top, two other sides. So it forms a cross like that, isn't it? Yeah, that, that is a cross, actually. So he told them, do that. And when the angel of death comes around, he will not touch you. You will all be safe. That's what he told them. Now, all the Israelites did that. So they, they, they killed that lamb, roasted that lamb, and were eating the lamb inside. And they put a doorpost they put the lamb, the blood of the lamb on the doorpost. Okay. Now, when the angel of death came in, all of them were safe. But all of Egypt, all those in Egypt lost their firstborns. Every firstborn child died. But Israel was kept safe, even though they were in the same place. They were in the same land, but they were not touched. Why? Because of the Passover, the lamb, the blood of the lamb. When the Lord says, when I see the blood, I shall pass over. Let's read Exodus chapter 12, verse 12. For I'll pass through the land of Egypt this night, and I'll smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. And the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where ye are, and when I see the blood, I will pass over you, and the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you. When I smite the land of Egypt. Have you seen it? He says, the blood shall be a token upon your house, and I'll, when I see the blood, I'll pass over. The blood of Christ is, is very effective for sin, past, present, and future. Amazing. No matter how great it is, it says that when I see it, I'll pass over. When I see it, I will not do anything to you. So immediately you receive Christ, you are passed on from judgment into life. First Corinthians chapter 5, sorry, John chapter 5, verse 24 says it. Look at John 5, 24. This is Jesus talking. He says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that heareth my word and believeth on, me, on him that sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. So you are passed from death unto life because you believe in him. Are you seeing it? That's all you need. When you believe in him, you are passed from death. How difficult is that? That is why nobody should go to hell because it is very simple. Someone has done it for you. Why are you going to hell? There's only for you to go to hell. Someone has died. Why are you trying to go to hell? Why are you pushing and forcing to go to hell? Just receive what he has done for you. And you will never go there. He went to hell for us because we identified with him. We were in him as he went. Once he descended low, we descended with him. He went to hell with us. Therefore, there's no need for us to go to hell. Nobody can go to hell twice. You only go to hell once. And we went to hell in Jesus, in Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. See, I'm glad I'm born again. again. These are things you should think about all the time. You know, it to bring joy into your heart. To bring excitement into your heart. Hallelujah. Now, let's read 1 Corinthians chapter 53, like I was saying. It says, Who has believed our report, and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? Verse 2. For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, 
and as a root out of a dry ground, he has no form nor comeliness. He's talking about Jesus. And when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should, be, we should desire him. Next verse. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid as it were our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. He's talking about the sufferings that Jesus went through. You know, when Jesus was arrested, the Bible says everybody left him. Everybody ran away. His disciples, everybody ran away. He was alone. Nobody could help him. The Bible says even one of his disciples ran away naked. He was so afraid of what was happening that he ran away naked. As he was running away, he had just come out from the bathroom, you know, and uh, uh, he had a certain cloth on, a cover cloth on. I was going to change and all of that. Then the soldiers came. And this, the, he was so much in a hurry to leave that when one soldier held his cloth, he left the cloth for him and ran away naked. He is despised and rejected of men. The Bible says he came unto his own, but his own refused, did not receive him. A man of sorrows, he was beaten, battered. If you remember, he says that he is not, you cannot even desire him. Go, go back to verse 2. Go back to verse 2. For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, an innocent plant, and as a root out of a dry ground. He has no form nor kindness. Have you seen it? And when he, we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He was so beaten and battered that it was difficult to even recognize him. Go to verse 3. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows, and acquainted with grief. He was acquainted with grief, a man of sorrows. And we hid as it were our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Verse 4. Surely he has borne our griefs. Why was he going through all the griefs? Because of us. He says, surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was, he was wounded for our transgressions. It, it was because of our transgressions that he was wounded. He was bruised for our iniquities. Iniquities are sins of the heart. Our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. The, the, the punishment that we needed to have peace with God was upon him. And with the stripes we are healed. Wow. Next verse, verse, verse 6. All we like sheep have gone astray. Do you agree? It says, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. The Lord laid on him the iniquity, the sin of us all. He made him to be sin for us. Next verse, verse 7. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before his share is dumb, so he opened not his mouth. Next verse. He was taken from prison and from judgment, and who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off out of the land of the living. The living. For the transgression of my people was he stricken. For the transgression of my people, the wrongs of my people was he stricken. And he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death. All these things have meanings, you know, but not today. He says he made his grave with the wicked, meaning that he, he was with two, the two thieves. You remember, there were two thieves that were crucified, two wicked guys who had killed people and all of that. But he had not done anything, but he found himself with them. So he says he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death. It was a rich man, Joseph of Arimathea. He was the one, a very rich man. He was the one who came to take his body and he put him in a, in a tomb that nobody had been in before. A very rich tomb in a very rich garden. That's what he's talking about. Because he had done no violence, neither was any deceit in his mouth. Next verse. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. It pleased the Lord to bruise him. He took the punishment of our sin because he was our substitute. He has put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin. He made his soul an offering for sin. Brother, your sins have been paid for. Why are you still carrying sin around? Consciousness of sin and all. I don't know why Christians move around with that. He's the offering for sin. He says he shall see his seed. That is you and he shall prolong his days. He wants to prolong his days through you. And the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Verse 11, I'm coming to that. He shall see, the, he shall see of the travail of his soul. And shall be satisfied. When he saw the Lord in pain, when he saw Jesus in pain, you know, and travailing in, in pain, he says he was satisfied. Because sin needed to be punished. God needed to be satisfied. And Jesus took the punishment. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many. This is so powerful. For he shall bear their iniquities. Wow. Next verse, verse 12. That's the last verse. Therefore will I divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spell with the strong. Because he has poured out his soul unto death. 
and he was numbered with the transgressors, and he bare the sin of many, and made intercession for the transgressors. He made intercession for the transgressors and bare the sins of many. Brother, sin has been taken care of. Sin has been taken care of. Sin is not a problem now. Don't make it a problem in your life. Are you identified with him? Then learn to recognize the fact that what he did was for you. You know, one of the things that sin does, sin, sin takes away your confidence. Because you do, when you do something wrong, you don't want to talk to God. You feel that because you did something wrong, God will not answer your prayer if you, if you pray. You know, I don't know if you know what I'm talking about. You feel like, Charlie, God is not on talking terms with me. God is not so happy with me, happy with me. That's why all these bad things are happening to me. Because all these bad things, these bad things are happening to me because of what I did. And then you bring, the devil bring a scripture to you for the wages of sin is death. Ah, the wages of sin is death. Hmm. Jesus paid for that wages. He paid for it. There's no need for you to pay for anything. Are you surprised at what I'm saying? There's no need for you to pay for anything. The devil starts condemning. That's one of the things that sin does to you. It brings condemnation to you. The devil starts condemning you. You will go to hell. You, you will not have anything good come into your life. But you have to point to the devil and tell him that, listen, Jesus took away sin. He is a payment for sin. Now, there are two types of sin. So let me explain it to you and show you how that Jesus dealt with all of them. There are two types of sin. If you read in 1 John chapter, 1 John chapter 5, verse 16, look at it. Let's look at it. 1 John 5, 16. Let me do this quickly, okay? <laughs> if any man sees his brother sin a sin which is not unto death, he shall ask and he shall give him life for them that sin not unto death. There's a sin unto death. I do not say that he shall pray for it. Next verse, verse 17. All unrighteousness is sin. And there's a sin not unto death. I don't know if you're seeing it. So he mentions two sins. One unto death. The sin unto death. Sin unto death. And then sin not unto death. Okay? Now, I'm going to explain it, both of them to you. And show you how Jesus has dealt with both of them. Sin unto death is the nature of sin. The seed of sin. Okay? What Adam did. That makes all men sinners. For all have sinned and have fallen short of the glory of God. What sin is that? It's the sin of Adam. For one man's disobedience, for by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. It was just one man. His name is Adam. And because of the sin he did, that sin became a seed that goes into every man that is born of Adam. Anyone who is born of a man and a woman is a sinner. By virtue of their birth. Just coming through the birth canal makes you a sinner. Why? Because of what Adam sinned, did. That is called the sin unto death. What death is that? The sin unto spiritual death. Okay? Unto spiritual death, and hence physical death, and hence eternal death. You get it? I explained that to you when I started. Now, that sin is dealt with in Jesus Christ. That's what I've been reading to you all about. I've been reading that up to you all this while. That is the nature of sin. He takes the nature of sin away. He made him to be sin. He made him to be the very nature of sin. So that he can be the sin bearer. Jesus is the Lamb of God. That taketh away the sin of the world. He didn't say the sins of the world. The sin of the world. What is the sin of the world? The sin of the world is what Adam did. Hallelujah. So Jesus took away that sin. So immediately you become born again. You are taken. You are made a new creature. You become a child of God. You are united in Christ. You become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That sin that Adam did is what leads to eternal death. Now you are taken away from eternal death and brought into eternal life. Amazing. So you're a child of God now. Hallelujah. Now, what is the other one? The sin that does not lead to death. Remember, it says, all unrighteousness is sin. And there's a sin not unto death. Now, that sin, those, those are the, the, the fruits of sin. So there's a seed and the tree of sin, which is what Adam did. And hence it's in every man. Born of a woman. Unless you are, you are born again, that sin is there. When you become born again, you accept what Jesus did. And then you accept that Jesus has taken away that sin. You accept the fact that sin was judged in Christ for you. Jesus was the one in whom sin was judged. You agree with that. And because you agree with that, it is imputed to you for righteousness. God makes you his righteousness. I don't know if you catch it. Now, there's another one which is the, sin, the fruit of sin. Every tree bears fruit. So the lying, the fornication, the cheating, the adultery, the, the, those are the things that makes you see that someone is sinning. Now, someone, someone may not be doing all those things and is not born again, but he's a sinner. Why? Because he has a seed and a tree of sin, only that he's not showing certain types of fruits for you to see. His fruits may be in his mind. 
You may not know what he's thinking in his mind. Jesus said, whosoever does some things in his mind, says some things and looks at some things in his mind, has already done it. So he's condemned as well. But the fruits of sin are what your flesh does, gets into. Okay? Now, did Jesus deal with that too? Emphatically, yes. Let's read Romans chapter, Romans chapter 6. Let me show it to you. Hallelujah. Let me show you both. Okay? Let me show you both. The sin that is unto death and the sin that is not unto death. And how Jesus has dealt with both. Okay, so look at Romans chapter 6. Let's read from verse, from verse 1. I started reading from verse 1 the last time to you in church. So I'll just read that and then show you some portions, okay? It says, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Shall we continue doing foolish things because Jesus has done something good for us? He says, God forbid, how shall we that are dead to sin? How do we become dead to sin? Because when Jesus died, we also died. And Jesus died to sin once, remember. Live any longer therein. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Continue. Knowing not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death. Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death. So his death is our death. Basically that's what he's telling you. That as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Verse 5. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death. Why did he die? He died because of sin. So if you are planted in the likeness of his death, it means that he's, take, he's talking about that sin that leads to death. That Jesus has dealt with. We shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. Verse 6. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that hence we should not serve sin. I'll come back to this. Next, verse 7. For he that is dead is freed from sin. The one who is dead. If someone dies here physically, no, God forbid. But whoever dies physically is freed from sin, cannot have anything to do with them. Isn't it? And the Bible lets us know that we are dead to sin. So next verse, verse, verse 8 says it very well. It says, now if we be dead with Christ, we believe also that we shall also live, we believe that we shall also live with him. Now if we be dead with Christ, did you die with Christ? We died with Christ, therefore we shall what? live with him. Next verse, verse 9. Knowing that Christ being raised from the dead died no more. Death has no more dominion over him. Verse 10. For in that he died, he died unto sin once. But in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Verse 11 is what I want you to see. It says, likewise, reckon your, ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. It says, you to recognize the fact that you are also dead to sin. Because you died in Christ. If we died with Christ, then it means that we are dead to sin once. Therefore, death has no power over us. And sin has no power over us. We are dead to sin. So it says, reckon also. The word reckon is to Put to your account. The Greek word is logizomai. It means to put to your account. I don't know if the Amplified will help us. Look at, let's look at the Amplified. Even so, consider yourselves also dead to sin. Have you seen it? Consider yourselves also dead to sin and your relation to it's broken. Why? Because Jesus died. So this is a sin that leads to death. I don't know if you're catching it. Now, how about the sin that, so Jesus has dealt with it. We know that. I've read so many scriptures to you. Now, how about the sin that does not lead to death? That is the fruit of sin. Which is in your flesh, in people's flesh. Okay? Stealing, lying, cheating, fornication, adultery, smoking, gambling, gossiping, eh? all the bad things you can think about, idolatry, all the bad things you can think about that a Christian may end up doing. Sometimes you have someone who is born again, but then the person is a liar. The person is into lying, he's into cheating. He's into duping people and all of that. Why is, he, why is he going through all of that? Because he's not learned to accept the fact that that one has been dealt with. Let me show it to you. That one too has been that Jesus dealt with the nature of sin and dealt with the fruits of sin as well. Look at Romans chapter 6 verse 6. We just read it, but let me show it to you into details, okay? Romans 6 6. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him. That's the first part. It says, know that our old man, your old man, your old nature of sin is crucified with Jesus. So he's talking about the first part, which is the sin that leads to death, which is, in, which is a nature in humanity. He says, know this, that our old man is crucified with him. So that, why did he do that? He did that so that the body of sin or the flesh of sin, where sin has its fruits, might be destroyed, made ineffective, that hence we should not serve sin. 
So if you become born again in Christ, the body of sin is also dealt with. It says, so that the body of sin might be destroyed. So the, the, the desire of the flesh to do wrong has been destroyed. So that your flesh no more has ability to do wrong. I don't know if you catch it. Sin as a fruit has been taken away. The fruit of sin has been taken away. The flesh that will cause you to do something wrong has been cut off. It's called the circumcision of the heart or the circumcision of the spirit. Let me show you something. Go to Romans chapter uh, 2 now. Let's read verse 28. Romans 2, 28. For he is not a Jew, which is one outwardly. Neither is that circumcision, which is outward in the flesh. But he is a Jew, which is one inwardly. And circumcision is that of the heart in the spirit and not in the letter whose praise is not of men but of God. Is it circumcision? I don't know if you know circumcision. Circumcision is cutting off the extra flesh around the uh, male genital. Okay? Now, when that flesh is cut off, it is thrown away. You don't carry your flesh, that flesh moving around and saying that, oh, I still have that flesh around. You don't do that. No gentleman, there's no young man you meet who has been circumcised who will tell you that oh, I have my circumcised, uh, the, the, the circumcision around with me in the house. It's in my pocket right now. Do you want to see it? There's nothing like that. There's absolutely nothing like that. Why? It is cut off and thrown away. So he's letting you know that there's something called circumcision. And Christ has circumcised every child of God. Everyone who gets born again is circumcised. What circumcision is that? He says it's called the circumcision of the heart, which is the removal of the, the flesh of sin. Or the body of sin. I don't know if you're catching it. So that flesh that will cause you to do wrong has been cut off. Whatever is in your flesh that will cause you to desire to do foolish things. To desire to steal. To desire to commit fornication. To desire to uh, continue in homosexuality. You can be born again and still be continuing homosexuality. Because you allow your flesh to take over. Even though your flesh has been dealt with. Whatever makes your flesh do that has been dealt with in Christ. Go to Colossians chapter 2. Let's read from verse 10 into verse 11. Colossians 2 from verse 10 into verse 11. You love it. It says, and you are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power. Verse 11. In Christ also, ye are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands, in putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Have you seen it? He causes the circumcision of Christ, which is the removal, the putting off of the body of the sins of the flesh. Meaning that now, sin is a choice. There's no controlling factor. There's no controlling thing in your body, in your flesh, that can control you and say that I will not let you go. You, you, you're a fornicator. You fornicate till you die. You're a thief. You steal till you die. I can't stop. So there's nothing like what I will. The spirit is willing. But the flesh is weak. There's nothing like that for a new creature. For the one who is born again, if you're a child of God, there's nothing like that. Now you can say no to the fruit of sin. Why? Because it has been circumcised. You've been circumcised. That flesh that will cause you to do wrong has been taken away. So this flesh, this body that you have now, is actually the body of Christ. I told you that in church. You are now united with him in body. So this body is for him. That's why he says, the body is not for fornication, but for the Lord. And the Lord for the body. Amazing. So you can say no. As a child of God, you can say no. Ah, if you feel anything in your flesh, go and steal. Go and fornicate. Go and, go and, go and lie. Lie. Gossip. Do this. You can easily say, no, 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 no. This is not me. I was deactivated a long time ago. I am not activated towards sin anymore. I am now activated towards God. That was what you were saying in Romans chapter 6, verse 11. It says, likewise, reckon yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now you are alive to God. You are dead to sin. There's, there, if you are dead to something, or if someone, something dies, no matter what you do, that thing cannot come back. No, 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 it can't. If a pet of yours dies, you, it's, it's finished. If you don't know about resurrection, it's finished. <laughs> you know, but whatever dies has no relation with, with those who are alive. So he says you are dead to sin and hence you are now alive to God. Your, your relationship with sin is broken. And now you are alive to God. That's what he's trying to let you know. Now go to Galatians. Galatians chapter 5 verse 24. Let me show you some more. Galatians 5 24. He says, and they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with their affections and lusts. Have you seen it? They that are Christ. Are you Christ? Are you for Christ? He says, you have crucified the flesh 
with the affections and lusts. All the affections and all the lusts of the flesh and all the things the flesh can lead you into and all the things that your flesh can tell you to do as a child of God has been crucified in Christ. Crucified. Whatever is crucified dies. It's finished. So now you are not, your flesh is not active to sin anymore. So he tells you that it is now, you see, you have power. He's letting you know that you have power. You have ability to say no. I, I'm not going to go along this line. I'm going to go along this line. So there's nothing like, oh, I didn't know what happened. You knew exactly what happened. You know, there's growth in the Lord. If a child is growing and he falls, you don't see that child will never walk forever. So in Christ, as you grow, you may fall. You may do something wrong. God does not cut you off and say that because you did this wrong, you are dead, you are, you are gone. Because you lied, after you got born again, you are gone. No, Jesus doesn't do that. He says, if we sin and confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Do you see? He says, he's forgiven us. So all, the, all that you will do as a child of God, as you are growing, because you are growing, you may fall. You may slip and fall. But when you become a man, you don't slip and fall. When you become a man, you stand strong. I don't know how many full-grown men fall every day. A 40-year-old man will not fall 75 times in a day. But a child who is now learning how to walk will fall so many times in a day. I don't know if you catch it. So the fact that someone is growing the Lord and is falling does not mean that it is ended. There are a lot of Christians who do something wrong and then they feel like, it's finished. I've done something wrong. I cannot get close to God anymore. Listen, that sin was dealt with. That desire that was in you was taken away. There's no need, there's no, nothing is supposed to block you away from the Lord. He says, what shall separate us from the love of Christ? What? There's nothing that shall separate us. Absolutely nothing. So no matter what you did, or just you are going to do or will do, okay, will take you away from the Lord. That's the truth. The only trouble is that, you see, it's like um, the, the story I mentioned concerning the Passover, Jesus being a Passover. Just imagine if two, just imagine two families with the blood on their doorposts. Will the angel of death get to them? The angel of death cannot get to them, isn't it? Are they saved? They are saved because of the blood, not because of what they do inside the house. It's not what they do inside the house that makes them safe. It's the blood that makes them safe. However, what they do in the house is dependent on them. Do you see? If one family decides that we are going to enjoy the lamb, the lamb that we are eating, and rejoice and thank God for what he has done for us, what do you think? By morning, they'll be safe. Why? Because of the blood. They'll be safe because of the blood, not because of what they decided to do. But they will enjoy the night. Do you get it? They will enjoy the night. They'll be praising God, excited, shouting, jubilating, and enjoying themselves throughout the night. And when morning comes, they'll open their door and continue enjoying themselves. Isn't it? Uh-huh. If the other house stays in fear and says that, hey, what if this thing does not work? What if the Lord was lying? What if uh, the blood doesn't really work? What if, uh, if they keep worrying and keep, they keep fearing in the house and not rejoicing, would they be safe at, at the end of the day? They will be safe at the end of the day. But what will happen to them in the night? They will not enjoy the night. They will live in fear throughout the night. That is what sin does for, to you. Even though we are all born again, the one who decides to stay in sin and keep fooling around will live his life in fear and will never enjoy the goodness of God. Ever. Even though the person is saved. He will live the night in fear. He will go through his journey as a Christian in fear and not enjoy the blessings of God. So he lets you know, listen, you are no more a servant to sin. You are now a servant to righteousness. So live in righteousness. I don't know if you are catching it. Yeah. Yeah. So what makes you do wrong has been taken away. That's one of the major things Jesus said. Apart from taking the nature of sin, he took away the fruit of sin as well by taking care of things in the flesh. So just accept what he has done. Look unto him and thank him and rejoice for what he has done for you. And live in joy. Live and enjoy, enjoy your salvation. How? By letting sin know that, listen, you have no place in my life. I am for God. I live for God. And nothing and no one can do anything about it. Look at Romans chapter, Romans chapter 8. Look at verse 3 to verse 4. 
There's more. Maybe I should give you this reference when I finish this scripture. So that you read. It will help you to clarify things for you. He says, for what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh. Hmm? What the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh. God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh. And for sin, condemned sin, where? In the flesh. So sin in the flesh has been condemned. That is a fruit of sin, has been condemned. For what purpose? So that the righteousness of the law, next verse, verse 4, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. So he says, as a Christian, you can decide to walk after the spirit, or you can decide to walk after the flesh. You can allow your flesh to have whatever, to do whatever it wants to do, even though it has been deactivated. You can say, oh, my flesh is the one that is taking over. My flesh is doing this. Plus, I don't know, I can't stop this. It's a big lie. If you say no, that will be the end of that thing, because it has been dealt with by the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus died for that. He died and dealt with sin in the flesh and condemned sin in the flesh. Hallelujah. Look at, look at um, Colossians chapter 2. Um, look at verse 13 and 14. Colossians 2, 13 and 14. It shows you that he has dealt with both the sin unto death and the sin not unto death. He says, and you being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your, of your flesh. Have you seen it? He says, and you being dead Number one, in your sins, which is the first part, the sin that leads to death. And the uncircumcision of your flesh, which is the sin in the flesh. Have you seen it? Has he quickened or made a life together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses? Blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. So all these two were nailed to the cross. So you are free. You are made free to serve God. Yes, you are now free to serve God. There's nothing that blocks you from obeying God. There's nothing that blocks you from doing what God wants you to do. Sin has been taken care of. The nature of sin has been taken care of. Sin in the flesh has been taken care of. You are now a new creature, free to serve God. Last scripture, Romans chapter 8. It's a long read, but I'm not going to read everything. I'll just show you one thing and then you, I, I give you the rest as a reference. So I'm looking at Romans chapter 6 from verse 12 all the way to 22. So it's 10 verses to help you big time. He says, let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body. Can you imagine? He says, you, don't let sin reign in your mortal. Meaning that now you have a choice. Isn't it? There's nothing like, oh, it's controlling me. Sin cannot control you. It's gone. So he says, you, you have a choice. Don't let sin reign in your mortal flesh, your mortal body. That you should obey it in the last thereof. Have you seen it? Continue. It's a long read. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield, yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. This, your flesh are, is now instruments of righteousness unto God. Wow. Now, jump all the way down to verse 20. He says, for when you were servants, you were the servants of sin. That is in your past. You were free from righteousness. Righteousness had no control over you. When you were a sinner. I mean, you did whatever you wanted to do. There was nothing like, oh, let me take one bottle so that it doesn't do. You take all the bottles you want. No restrictions. He says, when you, when you were the servants of sin, you were free from righteousness. Next verse. What fruit had ye in those things whereof ye are now ashamed? I mean, what fruit did you get? Now, you don't want to even talk about your past. You don't want us to see your past much. Says you are ashamed of it, for the end of those things is death. Next verse, verse twenty-two. But now, being made free from sin, this is what I want you to see. He says, "But now, say, but now, you are made free from sin, being made free from sin, and become servants to God. You have your fruit unto holiness, and the end, everlasting life. This is your life. This is my life. He says that you are now free from sin, and you are now servants to God." And you have your fruit. So now your flesh bears one fruit unto holiness and unto everlasting life. That is your life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Uh, when I start talking about his resurrection, I'll show you some more about this. But this is your life now. You are free from sin to be a servant of God. Someone sang a song and said, I am free. I am free. I am free. I am free to be the servant of the Lord. Free from what? I'm free from sin. Sin that could control me. And make me do whatever he says I should do. And push me to do whatever. Take me to places I don't want to go to. Give me addictions I don't I can't stop. Whatever addiction you have, you can just say no today. And that addiction will live your life forever. You'll be surprised. When you say no, 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 no. This is not me. This is not what God has designed for me. 
my flesh is not for you my flesh is for the lord it will live your life forever so i pray for you this evening i pray that whatever addiction whatever challenge whatever trouble you have in your flesh is taken away right now in the name of the lord jesus just as christ had your flesh crucified on the cross that legal representation is active in your life from henceforth your flesh will bear fruits unto righteousness and unto life everlasting in the name of the lord jesus i declare you blessed i declare the word of god working in your life in the name of the lord jesus you are increased and you are going forward by the power of the holy ghost condemnation guilt fear and what takes away your confidence which is sin is taken away from you forever i i, I renew your confidence in the lord and your trust in the lord in jesus name amen so learn to depend on jesus learn to depend on what he did for you like i said christianity is not about us christianity is about him and all that he did for us look unto him the author and the finisher of our faith god bless you god bless you for listening we pray that the word of god will be rooted and grounded in your heart as you give attention to the word kindly follow pastor t and love economy church on all social networks for more of god's word don't forget to subscribe to the Pastoti podcast. Simply search for Pastoti on any podcast app. Plug in and enjoy God's word. Visit our website at loveeconomychurch.org for more information. God bless.